You've all gone the extra mile to revise this. We're in great shape for the client meeting. Thank you all. You're here for others. The urgent care is closed. Should we go to the ER? You know what? I know what to do. We're here for you. That is a little bit higher than normal, but medically, it's not a fever. Oh good, that's a relief. Have a great day, sweetheart. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> the client loved it. We're approved to move forward. Great job, everyone. Live fearless, North Carolina. It's the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, October 1st. I'm Donald Ware, and can you believe it is, in fact, October as we roll through the HBCU football season? A couple of thoughts. Of course, it's Takeaway Tuesday here on the Daily Podcast. A couple of thoughts. I want to get into a couple of the football games, as a matter of fact, but I always have a chance to listen in, maybe ask a question or two on the SWAC conference call each and every Monday and just to kind of get some perspective on what some of the coaches have to say with respect to their teams. Of course, a tough loss for Arkansas Pine Bluff against Southern. Going to talk a little bit more about that football game. Cedric Thomas keeps it about as real as anyone else and, and said the fact that Southern is the defending champions when you have the defending champions you even though they're coming to your place and you're playing well and not that southern wasn't playing well it's just that they had some tough opponents to start the season you got to beat the champ to be the champion and arkansas pine bluff could not get that done it's still plenty more uh games remaining no question about it but when you're talking about prairie view a&m right now two and oh in the SWAC and more specifically in the the Southern the Western Division, and then you're looking at Southern at one and zero in the SWAC and the division and a leg up on Arkansas Pine Bluff. You know, early in the season, anything can happen. But early in the season, that's a bit of a hole for Arkansas Pine Bluff. But he talked about really keeping it. You know, uh, he he kept it real and said they beat us, and you know, obviously we have to be better. We have to do some things better offensively. Three interceptions in the ball game for Arkansas Palm Bluff. That's definitely not going to get it done. One of the dynamics, and our friend and colleague, Lute Williams, asked the question of Alcorn State uh, head football coach uh, Fred McNair. And, and uh, if you look at the dynamic, uh, and it's something that I had thought about last week when Felix Harper, the quarterback, was the Box to Row National Player of the Week last week. A a really a phenomenal game when you're talking about that victory over Prairie View A&M and excuse me Prairie View A&M is is two and one now in the conference two and one is Prairie View A&M but they're two and zero oh in the division through four completed sixty eight percent of his passes two hundred eighty yards two touchdowns no interceptions he also rushed for a touchdown and then on Saturday in Alcorn State's big victory over Mississippi Valley State completed 21 of 30 passes, which is a 70% completion percentage, 396 yards, six touchdowns, and zero, zero interceptions. So you're talking about uh, a young man that has eight touchdowns to no interceptions in the last two ball games, is completing close to 70% of his passes. He is absolutely on fire right now and 
it really reminded me of a situation going back um, some years ago with respect to Alcorn State. And obviously Noah Johnson had a great year last year, the SWACs. Offensive player of the year, the preseason player of the year coming into this season. He's been hurt the last couple of games, hadn't really gotten off to the great start. And it's very reminiscent. The one, I, this, is, this is what I said. I said, John, I said, Noah Johnson is the new John Gibbs. Noah Johnson is the new John Gibbs. A lot of the swag folk are going to understand what I'm saying. A lot of the Alcorn State folk are going to understand what I'm saying. I don't know if it's true, but I'll put it like to you like this and better explain it. Nothing against Noah Johnson. I think Noah Johnson's a phenomenal quarterback. He is absolutely splendid. But if you go back to 2014 and John Gibbs Jr., quarterback for Alcorn State, did it all. He rushed for over 1,000 yards. He, he, he was a phenomenal passer. He... If my it, it seemed like he started the season out of the 2015. He was the box to row offensive player of the year in 2014. Seemed like he started the 2015 season off a little bit slow. He ultimately got injured. In comes Lenoris Footman, who who was our impact player of the year in 2015. And once Lenore's footman was doing what Lenore's footman was able to do more, more so with his legs, he became a better passer in his next couple of years at Alcorn State, but he was getting a lot of things done with his legs while John Gibbs was out. You, we didn't hear any more from John Gibbs. We, we would talk about it week to week with then head football coach Jay Hobson. You know, it was always a deal where, where we would see how um, John Gibbs was, what his health looked like this year. That type of thing. And that's some of the same thing I'm hearing from Fred McNair. As I asked him personally about it on the call last week, just not specifically if there's a quarterback controversy or would at the, at the you know, last week Harper come in and take uh, the job of Johnson, but more so just how when a quarterback goes down, a starting quarterback goes down for the Braves, another quarterback is able to come in and pick up the reins and excel very well. And I mentioned this last week. He talked a lot about Pat White. Pat White, one of the greatest college football players of all time, played, of course, at West Virginia, where he was the starting quarterback, an absolutely phenomenal career. But it likens, I just think back, when you had John Gibbs, the Norse footman started playing really, really well. We didn't really, we didn't hear from John Gibbs much. And matter of fact, Lenore's footman played in that SWAC championship, uh, not the SWAC championship game, but the Celebration Bowl, the very first one against A&T, where he almost led Alcorn State to victory. Then Lenore's footman takes over the reins in 2016. Again, he gets off to a bit of a slow start. He also got injured, enter Noah Johnson, and then there was... I, I don't want to call it wasn't a controversy, but it, you, we, we saw a lot of Noah Johnson. We saw a lot of Lenore's footman. Lenore's footman ultimately if, if, was able to regain his job, if you will, in 2017 and sort of finished out that season. But Noah Johnson really made some noise. And then you had Noah Johnson and Noah Johnson did a, an, a spectacular job in 2018. Now you have a situation 
a game where Johnson is hurt and in the first couple of games maybe hadn't played as well. Um, you have Felix Harper. I mentioned eight touchdowns, no interceptions in the last two ball games, completing close to 70% of his passes. Um, it's not something I'm not saying that it's something Fred McNair said. It's not something that he said. He said that it's a, it seems to be a week to week deal with respect to Johnson and his health and whether or not he would play. But again, for me and what I remember, Hobson was saying that some of the same things going back to 2015 and a big game for Alcorn State against Alabama State. Believe the game is in Montgomery on Saturday, and this could go a long way, even though we're early in the season, towards um, maybe preliminarily determining who that Eastern Division champion could be in the SWAC. Do you pull Harper out with the way he's playing right now to put in Noah Johnson, who hasn't played in a couple of weeks and hasn't been as productive as you thought he may be for the first couple of games. I don't know. I, I don't know if you do that. Um, and that's a definitely sort of a, it's, it's, it's not a sort of, it's, it's, it's I, I say sort of a, maybe a good problem, if you will, to have for Fred McNair, but that's a tough, but that's a tough deal, a tough deal uh, for when you're talking about the decision that Fred McNair has to make if Noah Johnson is ready to rock and roll with the way Felix Harper is playing right now, going into the game against Alabama State, is do you continue, okay? Do you continue to go with Harper or do you go back to Noah Johnson? Can you lose your starting position to injury? That's sort of a thing in 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 football that is is sort of a saying, but you most certainly can lose your job your starting position to injury. So we'll see how that plays out. Maybe we'll know a little bit more as we get closer to the week on A, the health of Johnson, and B, uh, whether or not which one of those guys is going to start against Alabama State. I think it is an interesting dynamic, to say the least. Want to take a look at a couple of games from the weekend, a shootout, another shootout. We've had a couple of shootouts the last couple of years. With respect to the State Fair Classic in Grambling and Prairie View A&M and Grambling the last couple of years or this year in 2018 on the wrong side of the shootout. You go back to 2017 uh, or 2016. It seemed like Grambling won that game like 70 to 50 something. I mean, these have been absolute shootouts, entertaining games. It's why the State Fair Classic had in excess of 52,000 people at the Cotton Bowl, it was a deal where Grambling got out to an early lead, 17 to 7, and you had Prairie View AM to, to sort of roar back, score a field goal and a touchdown to take a lead of its own. Um, and Grambling came right back, took a 23 to 17 lead, and then Prairie View AM poured it on from there, touchdown to take the 24 uh, to 23 lead in the second quarter and then another touchdown moments later to take the 31 to 23 lead. Um, ultimately they would have their largest lead of the game at uh, 42 to 23. So even though it was a shootout and Grambling made it close, uh, 
making it 42 to 36. Gramlin scored with 125 remaining a 55-yard punt return by Quincy Mitchell, which pulled the Tigers to within 42-36. to But ultimately, that's how the game would end. And great crowd. Um, you look at some of the numbers for Grambling. Uh, they, were a- they weren't able to you know, pass the football or run the football as effectively as they would like. I have been talking a lot about Prairie View A&M and this defense. Well, the defense wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't bad at all um, in this football game. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, talked a little bit about Dewanya Tucker being the best. He talked about it yesterday. Right now being the leading rusher in all of the swag. He had another 200-game, uh, 200-yard performance. 263 yards rushing. Two touchdowns, 26 carries, averaged in excess of 10 yards per carry. This young man is absolutely in a zone. I told you all yesterday that he's got to have a big chip on his shoulder. No no question about it. Um, You had uh, Taylor Porter and you also had Deshaun Waller that really came on like gangbusters as running backs last year in the SWAC. Even though Tucker ran for over 1,000 yards, he was sort of the forgotten man. He is not the forgotten man this year at all and uh, probably should have been the Boxer Row National Player of the Week, quite frankly. But, uh, you know, we like to sort of mix it up a little bit. We already gave it to him once this year. So I uh, want some other guys to get it in. The guys that got it, as a matter of fact, deserve to get it. I'll talk a little bit more about those guys and who the Boxer Row National Players of the Week are this week. But Dewanya Tucker is absolutely tearing it up. Prairie View AM right now, two and one in SWAC play. And um, you know, the Panthers are tough. It, you know, again, defensively better against Grambling, scoring a lot of points. And they're gonna be able to outscore a lot of guys, a lot of opponents. And if you can do that, then you have a good chance of winning football games in the SWAC. Southern, again, defeated Prairie View A&M in this football game. You look at Arkansas Palm Bluff, not a, a bad job in the beginning. They forced Ladarius Skelton to throw a couple of interceptions in the ball game, but then you had a situation where Arkansas Palm Bluff could not stop the running game of Southern, which hadn't we hadn't, you know, we hadn't seen Southern really explode in terms of being able to run the football this year 269 yards rushing in the game and four touchdowns and while Skelton may didn't do it with his arm again no touchdowns two interceptions 17 to 25 157 yards he rushed for three touchdowns 18 carries or excuse me eight carries 47 yards three touchdowns If you're Arkansas Pine Bluff, you cannot afford to turn the ball over three times, and that's what happened to Arkansas Pine Bluff in this football game. They turned the ball over three times, um, and and four. I'm sorry, you had three interceptions by Shannon Patrick, who had a good, solid game last week against Tennessee State. As a matter of fact, played the majority of the game. As you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff runs a two-quarterback system with Patrick and Skylar Perry, and this time, between them four interceptions three by Patrick Taylor Porter couldn't get much going Southern's defense really came to play in this football game holding Arkansas Pine Bluff to about 321 yards of total offense but again you know it's hard to overcome 
that many turnovers in the ball game and expect to win the ball game. So the division champs, Southern, they say not so fast. We're not out of this thing yet. Um, you know, I and and listen, I was wrong. I was way wrong. I came on the show on the weekend edition of the show. I said that I thought uh, with the way that Arkansas Pine Bluff was playing, I thought they were a hot football team, and I thought that they would ultimately win that football game. And ultimately, uh, I was wrong uh, in that assessment. There's still a lot of season left to play, but obviously right now, Arkansas Pine Bluff a little bit behind the eight ball with Southern having been uh, 1-0 in the SWAC, 1-0 in the Western Division, and also having a uh, the tiebreaker situation against Arkansas Pine Bluff right now. The Boxing Road National Players of the Week, we go to Durham, North Carolina. Brian Mills, defensive back for North Carolina Central, had three interceptions in the ballgame, including two in the end zone as Morgan State was trying to drive as North Carolina Central defeated Morgan State 27-17. So Brian Mills with an outstanding football game, one of the Box to Row National Players of the Week. Um, again, three interceptions in the ballgame against Morgan State. The other Box to Row National Player of the Week, Slade Jarman, the quarterback, for Fort Valley State, completed 25 of 43 passes for 391 yards and six, count them, six touchdowns without a single interception. Throws, attempts 43 passes, not only throws six touchdowns, but doesn't throw a single pick and throws for close to 400 yards as uh, Fort Valley State defeated Benedict 50 to 16. I talked about it yesterday. Boy, I haven't seen a Mike White defense uh, give up this many points and this many yards uh, in quite some time. And uh, I tell you what, Slade Jarman just absolutely went to work against Benedict. So, you know, that's a look at the HBCU landscape. Takeaway Tuesday here. Of course, if we take a look quickly at the box to row coaches and media polls, North Carolina A&T remains number one in both polls receiving uh, all of the first place votes between the coaches and the media in the coaches poll, Bethune-Cookman number two, Alcorn State number three, Florida A&M number four, South Carolina State number five, six through ten looks like this, Southern, Prairie View A&M, Alabama State, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and Alabama A&M re-enters the poll at number ten. In the media poll, Bethune-Cookman number two, Alcorn State number three, South Carolina State number four, Florida A&M number five, six through ten, Prairie View A&M, Southern, Bowie State, Alabama State, and Arkansas Pine Bluff, who was six last week, is now number ten in the media poll. So those are my takeaways on this Tuesday, October 1st, for the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, of course, on Hump Day Wednesday, we begin to transition, take a look at week six of the HBCU football season, kind of talk a little bit about some of the matchups and maybe some other things we'll get into on tomorrow's edition of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Don't keep the HBCU Football Daily Podcast a secret. Tell someone about it. You can either download the podcast on our website at BoxToRow.com. Also listen online at BoxToRow.com. Talk with you tomorrow.
Easier said than done. I thought you.